Well, today's Mother's Day, and I have, I'm not in a series of messages, which I usually am on this day, but so I want to give a, a, a brief message today about mothers and simply call it a mother of, of faith, um, and because that fits right in with the, with the story that we find in the Scripture today. But I know that on Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's getting uh, increasingly uh, more difficult because there are so many different descriptions of families today. And people have all kinds of different emotions about Mother's and Mother's Day and Father's and Father's Day and all kinds of things riding together. But I think those of you who are mothers realize that motherhood is a, is a one-of-a-kind experience. And whether you're a mother or whether you're a young girl today or, or whether you're a great-grandmother or a grandmother, there's something that you can hear that, that other generations will need to, to learn and hear. Uh, now, let me just speak to you as mothers. Uh, maybe you can identify with these Murphy's Laws of Parenting. You know what Murphy's Law is. If something can go wrong, it will. So listen to these and see if you can identify with them. The later you stay up, the earlier your child will wake up the next morning. The gooier the food, the more likely it is to end up on the carpet. The longer it takes you to make a meal, the less your child will like it. A sure way to get something done is to tell a child not to do it. For a child to become clean, something else must become dirty. Toys multiply to fill any space available. Yours is always the only child who doesn't behave. And if the shoe fits, it's expensive. And somehow just backing the car out of the driveway causes your child to have to go to the bathroom. Can you identify with all that? Yeah. Okay. Moms, you've got a hard task, especially if you are a stay-at-home mom. A survey of over a 1,000 mothers found that a stay-at-home mom has questions to answer every 2 minutes and 36 seconds. And that adds up to 105,120 questions per year. The top five toughest questions to answer are these. Why is water wet? Where does the sky end? What are shadows made of? Why is the sky blue? And how do fish breathe underwater? Now, you might think those are a piece of cake compared to some of the questions you've been asked. But you've got a tough role, no matter how the questions are asked. Now, a few years ago, someone wrote this little moving thought about motherhood with the title, Somebody Said. Somebody said it takes about six weeks to get back to normal after you've had a child. Somebody doesn't know that once you're a mother, normal is history. Somebody said you learn how to be a mother by instinct. Somebody never took a three-year-old shopping. Somebody said being a mother is boring. Somebody never rode in a car driven by a teenager with a driver's permit. Somebody said you don't need an education to be a mother. Somebody never helped a fourth grader with her math. Somebody said you can't love the fifth child as much as the first. Somebody doesn't have five children. Somebody said the hardest part of being a mother is labor and delivery. Somebody never watched her baby get on the bus for the first day of kindergarten or on a plane headed for military boot camp. Somebody said your mother knows that you love her, so you don't need to tell her. Somebody 
isn't a mother. I like a story told about uh, Tony Campalo. Hopefully you are familiar with him. He's a pastor. He's a professor. Uh, he is a renowned speaker. Uh, many books he's written. And um, he gets the opportunity to travel around the world and greet people of all sorts. Oftentimes his wife, Peggy, who chose to be a stay-at-home mom to rear their two children, gets to accompany him. And one day she said to him, you know, I just feel so inferior when all these people that you know, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, politicians, all these people, ask me what I do. And he says, well, why don't you come up with a creative answer? So she did. And the next time they were at some gathering and she was with him, a lady walked up to him and she said, well, I know what your husband does. So what do you do? And this was her answer. She said, I am nurturing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might become instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia God envisioned from the beginning of time. And the lady who asked her the question said, oh my, I'm just a lawyer. (laughs) I love that story because it just tells me the responsibility that mothers have. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom or whether you're pursuing a career and balancing that role of wife and mom, whether you're a single mom, whatever. Now, I've observed mothers personally. My mother, my grandmother, my wife, and she raised our four children. Now, our three daughters and daughter-in-law as their mothers and wives. All of them uh, married to to pastors as well. And and I know it takes a lot of faith to be a mother, especially today. And our scripture today is chosen for two reasons. Number one, it talks about a mother that Jesus says has great faith. And the other is, I think it's an intriguing passage of scripture that sometimes is confusing. And I think we need to understand exactly what's going on here. So look with me at Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus has just left an area where he fed the 5,000. And then he began teaching some things that were straight out of his heart and strong to hear. And and much even more difficult to put into practice. So we pick up in verse 21 where Matthew says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Uh, If you've ever read that story and wondered what in the world is going on, what's up with Jesus this day? Is Jesus having a bad day? I mean, what happens to the Jesus like Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, who's always had a smile on his face and loving and compassionate and kind and never turned anybody away, always had time for people? The, the Jesus that we see healing people of, with, from all sorts of things and issues, we already know that he's dealt with uh, other people who've come to him out of concern for a sick child or a sick worker that lived with them. 
So what's going on with Jesus? And for Jesus seemingly to be rude and unconcerned to the point that he would even refer to this poor woman and Gentiles as a dog? What's going on with him? Well, the whole passage somehow might be a fulfillment of what uh, Matthew quotes Jesus as saying in Matthew 7, 6, where Jesus says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Now, in those words, in the setting on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about, you know, sometimes it's a waste to give your best teaching and the teaching even of the kingdom and the gospel before some people who aren't fit to hear it, they aren't going to listen. And sometimes it's best, he said, to shake the dust off your feet and go on and find a welcoming crowd. So that's the implication behind all those words. Is that what Jesus is saying to this woman? That she's not worth hearing about the gospel or having the Savior to respond to her in her greatest hour of need? Is Jesus showing that he too carries in his heart the same prejudices that all the other Jewish people have against Gentiles? Well, uh, after all, you know, he did say, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So how do we understand this? What, what's going on with Jesus that day? Well, you remember later in the next chapter, Matthew 16, when Jesus is talking about establishing the church, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the ancient rabbis called the pagan, quote, Gentile cities, the gates of hell. And so I think what Jesus is doing here is a hint of the fact that he knew that he was to come to his own people, even though the scripture says they received him not, and that it would be his disciples And like Paul, who would take the word of God, the gospel, out beyond the regions of Judea, around the world, to the Gentiles. You see, we know that the Gentiles were the chosen people, the Israelites were the chosen people of God. And then for the specific purpose that they were to be a light to the nations, and they chose not to do so. That's also, I think, behind Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about the fact no one, after having a lighted a light puts it under a bush or a basket, but they let it shine so people can see it. Now, perhaps Jesus then had a smile on his face during this entire conversation. He said, okay, what about the fact that he referred to the Gentiles as a dog? Well, that was not the word for dog that the Jews used normally to refer to Gentiles. It was not the word for dog used for wild dogs that roamed the streets in, in packs like they saw back then. But basically, it was the word for a pet dog, a tame dog, you know, like a little house dog, a pet dog. And then so why was Jesus uh, so quick not to respond to her or to say those words, you know, I, I, I've, I've come to, to not only the lost house of Israel and the, my bread is for the children of Israel and, and you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, hopefully what Jesus was saying was he was with a smile on his face saying something humorously like, but, you know, you sly, you sly fox, or, or, or you, know, you, you old goat, sometimes we say when we refer to somebody. Um, you got to notice, too, that this woman did not take offense. You and I probably would have been greatly offended. She didn't take offense and walk away like I think some of us would have, but she tended to ignore that. So I think Jesus had a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye. And maybe behind everything he said, he was saying this. You know how Jews feel about Gentiles. And here you are to this woman persisting in asking me to do a favor for you. Now, maybe this woman represented all Gentiles. I don't know. But I know this, that her faith was tested and her faith was real. 
And she seized what crumbs from the bread of heaven that were offered to her. And Jesus commended her for the fact that her faith was great. Now, look at this woman. What about her? What do we know about her and what can we identify with her? Well, Matthew tells us that she was a Canaanite. In Mark's account of this same story in chapter 7, she was a Syrophoenician woman. And they both probably uh, spoke Greek. Um, She was a mother. We know that. She was a desperate mother because her child was sick. She was persistent in asking Jesus to help her. She also was perceptive in understanding the test of her faith by Jesus. She also was very witty. She was uh, very skilled in coming back with a a smart remark to somebody else's smart remark. I think it's um, repartee, 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 something like that. You know, it comes from the fencing thing where somebody gets you with the sword, you know, and you come back with a quick one. The word is what? Touche? Well, she was a master at that. Somebody else who was a master at that was um, Winston Churchill. Maybe you can understand that when I'm putting it in this context with him. But he, he carried on an ongoing friendly feud with Lady Astor. One night Lady Astor was so exasperated with Winston Churchill, she said, If you were my husband, I'd put poison in your tea. And he said, lady, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. (laughs) On another occasion, uh, Lady Astor rebuked Churchill and she said, Mr. Churchill, you are despicably drunk. And he said, I agree. And you, my lady, are despicably ugly. But in the morning, I will be sober. (laughs) (laughs) And this woman had keen response to Jesus. You know, I think Jesus could... Hear what she would say, and he would say, like, touche, you got me, you know? She said, Lord, help me. And he said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus says, touche, you got great faith. She was a woman of great faith. She was a mother of great faith. So the challenge for women today, particularly mothers, or to be women of faith, be mothers of faith. Now, what, what, what do we learn from this story? What are some things that moms today can take to heart from this story and apply in your life in the role of a mom? Uh, whether you work outside the home or not, whether you have a mate to share life with you, whether you've got one or five or however many children you have, you know, whether you're a grandmother or a great-grandmother, how, how does all this fit together? Well, I think there are four things that we need to see from this story that would help all women, help all of us, but particularly we're talking to moms today, okay? The first thing is that great faith boldly calls on Jesus. This woman's great faith was shown in the fact that she boldly called on Jesus. She boldly dared to go where no other women had dared to go because she came to Jesus when he was in a private setting. And she broke all kinds of barriers in doing so. She was a Gentile, and this was a Jewish gathering. She was a woman, and they weren't even supposed to talk to men in public, let alone come into their presence. Uh, She crashed his party. It was certainly an inopportune time in some sense because the disciples said, this is inconvenient. She keeps calling out to us. So the, the, the challenge is, 
as moms of faith, when you're faced with difficult moments, whether it's the sickness of a child or the discipline you need for a child or the teaching you need for a child, come boldly into the presence of Jesus and call on him boldly. Is there anything going on with your family and your role as the mom where you are so desperate that you need all the wisdom and guidance that you can get? Who are you going to turn to? I think being a mother today maybe presents some of the greatest challenges to motherhood that's ever been known. So many challenges to the home and to the family and so many needs outside that, that, that weigh down upon the family. But I think you need to learn very early to come boldly into the presence of God and ask for his guidance. In fact, we're encouraged to do so by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. That's coming boldly. Now, the second thing that I identify plays right off of that one, and it's this. Great faith keeps praying or keeps asking until God answers. This woman's prayer was very, very simple. She said, Lord, help me. She was saying, Lord, my child is ill. I'm desperate. Please help me. Now, the scripture here clearly says that Jesus didn't answer her. And the disciples kind of were thinking, okay, maybe, maybe he doesn't like this woman. Maybe he is prejudiced against the Gentiles. So they said, go ahead and send her away, Lord. She's bugging us too. She keeps calling out after her. See, this woman was persistent. See, she refused to give up. She had patience and she was persistent in seeking Jesus' power. And the question you have to ask yourself, moms, is this. Am I persistent in praying for the wisdom and guidance and strength and hope and words that I need to share with my family? See, Jesus taught us to pray persistently. In Matthew 7, 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. That's telling us to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking until the answer comes. This woman would not take no for an answer. They weren't going to get rid of her. And I think Jesus saw that and he knew that all along. And there was that smile on his face that he says, somebody's going to learn from this woman right now. And I think they did. You remember the story of Jacob in the Old Testament, how he wrestled with the angel all night, and as day was breaking, the angel said, let me go. And Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And I think there's a great lesson there for us. Surely there's at least one mom in here today that you have one issue or some issue in your life that you desperately need to claim God and hold on to him and say, I am not going to give up until you give me the answer that I need. Whether it's patience, strength, wisdom, whatever it is, keep praying for it. Vance Havner was a, an old evangelist of another time, but he had a, a, just a down-home wit and insight about him that I love so much. He used to say the problem with unanswered prayer is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. So, is your situation desperate enough for you to keep on praying as you seek boldly God's grace and pray until God gives you the answer? Now, here's the third thing I think we can pick up from this story. 
Great faith is content with the crumbs of grace. See, Jesus said, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table get the children's crumbs. If you've got a house dog or one that gets in when they're not supposed to be a house dog, you know how, how they go for the table area, the kitchen area first, don't they? They're always looking for some morsel of food, something that's left on the floor. Uh, and if you've got small children, they usually find a lot, right? Yeah. This woman was content with those crumbs of grace. She said, Lord, just give me the, the crumbs, and that will be enough for me. Is that enough for you? Well, sometimes you might not think so, but it is. Because when God gives you his grace, he gives you the amount that you need. See, the secret to this woman's faith was she wasn't ashamed to beg for the crumbs of grace. And she was rewarded for it. You might think, oh, I need a whole lot more than the crumbs. Well, if you do, God will give it to you. You you remember what, what Paul talked about? How he experienced God's grace when he had the the thorn in his flesh that at least three times, I think he prayed about it more than that. But on three specific occasions when he prayed for God to remove that thorn from his life, that God did not do so. But what did he say? My grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, he said to, he said to Paul, you're going to have to live with this. But I'm going to give you the grace that will handle it. You know, that's, I think that's the way he, he speaks to us in that parenting role. Sometimes you just find yourself at wit's end and you're desperate. You're worn out. You're tired. You know, the, the, the trying moments in family life come at the most inopportune times, don't they? It's uh, 12 o'clock. I mean, we experienced this. 11.30 on Saturday night. That'd be when the kids would want to come back there, fall across the bed, and talk to us about the issues of life. And I'm lying there thinking, we had all day today. Where were you? I got to get up in five and a half hours and be ready to preach twice. I said, Cookie, listen real well. Listen to what they have to say and respond. You remember those nights like that? Sometimes it's just the most inopportune times. But you know, that's when God gives us the grace that we need. She was content with the crumbs. You ask God for the grace you need for the moment, and he will give it to you. Here's the fourth thing. And it's very simple this. Great faith will be tested. Oh, if you're a woman of faith, it's going to be tested. Now, I think Jesus spoke to this woman as he did because he knew that she would pass that faith test. And I think she passed with flying colors. Well, I think the reality is there'll be many, many challenges to mothers today, uh, to your faith. And I think there are at least three facts about faith that we need to underscore. The first is that Hebrews 11.6 teaches us that without faith it is impossible to please God. The second truth about our faith is that God always rewards our faith. And the third truth about our faith is that sometimes God tests our faith. I think he was testing the faith of this woman. She knew it. 
I think she caught on immediately. She and Jesus were in sync. You know, he had a smile on his face, a twinkle in his eye, and I think she caught on to that. I think the disciples were clueless at that moment. But she caught it. Oftentimes with us, we don't realize that our faith is being tested. They come disguised as troubles and trials and adversity. And the Apostle Peter wrote these words and says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. You see, the challenging of being a mom and a parent today, I think, are tests of our faith. You dare to establish your family on the Word of God and to be a a parent of, of faith, you're going to be tested, and you're going to be tested in a lot of ways. Great faith is always tested. This woman accepted what Jesus said on faith, and her daughter was healed that moment. The crumbs of grace were enough for her because she had great faith. Now, as we wrap this up today on this Mother's Day, the challenge then is to you mothers to be women of great faith. Okay, what's the payoff? What's in it for you? Uh, The rewards, I think, are summarized in various ways. First of all, I'm reminded of the Spanish proverb that says, an ounce of mother is worth a ton of priest. Abraham Lincoln said, no man is poor who has had a godly mother. William Ross Wallace said, the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. And Lauren Sanny of the Navigators once wrote this of his mother. He said, my mother gave birth to me in a frontier house on a Midwestern prairie. On the kitchen counter, she placed a list of the ingredients for my formula. At the top of that list was prayer. And that remained at the top of her list for me throughout her life. I have her to thank for firmly establishing my spiritual roots. Moms of today, I want to challenge you to establish and nurture spiritual roots and be a woman of faith. Join me in prayer. Father, as we celebrate Mother's Day today and and motherhood, we thank you for all the mothers who have joyfully given their lives to you and have been women of faith and who've been willing to to call on you in their deepest time of need and to praise you as they live their life. I ask, Lord, that uh, all of our mothers here today, no matter where they are in, in that journey of motherhood, that they would be such women of faith, that they would call upon you boldly. They would be persistent in their praying for your grace and your mercy. They would accept the amount of grace you give to them and knowing that it would be sufficient for whatever they're facing. And, Father, that they would continue to nurture their children in the faith, the Christian faith that believes in Christ. Father, may you bless these mothers in this journey. May they find support from their spouse and from others as they journey on and we journey together for your glory and the growth of your kingdom. In Christ's name, amen.